awesome uh, just to be here with you. Um, before we even get into this sermon, let's just stop. I mean, I praise God. We've got a full house today. God is so good. Is God so good? Come on. Incredible, incredible worship. Incredible worship. Uh, and I'll just let you know where I am. Like when we worship, a lot of times I'll just sit in silence just listening to the people of God, sing the praises of God back to Him. And it is that is one of the most profound and, and deeply worshiping things for me is just to listen to you pour your hearts out to the Lord. And uh, And I realize that you know, we could be a bunch of different places today, but I thank you for being a Dublin Bible Church. I thank you for partnering with us, even if it's just your first time. I thank you for just kind of coming in, kicking the tires. Maybe perhaps you, you've kind of been out of church for a long time, or you don't even consider yourself a church person. It takes such courage for you to step through those these doors and to kind of come into this environment. And I just want to commend you on that, and I just want to say just thank you. Before we get into the Word, let's pray. Father, we just pray out of the just the... God, that you would just pour out just out of the storehouse of your blessings and your promises and your grace and your mercy and your love, that you would just pour out those things over us today. And as we just kind of dig into this idea of or of identity in Christ, perhaps there's someone in here for the first two weeks that they, they, don't, they don't believe it yet. It's not deep enough yet. It's still shallow and still has, it's just, they haven't accepted it into their heart. Lord, I pray that today would be the catalyst. That you would just allow them to the courage to step up and to be the person in Christ that you want them to be. So that they can live a life free of, of regret and being consumed by guilt and consumed by shame. I pray that we have victory today in this house, in your house. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we are in our third week of the series called Selfie, and as you see on the screen, we've talked about a poem uh, that God says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his poem, and poema was the Greek word and you're, uh, that describes as somebody who gives their life to Jesus that they are, they are God's poema, they are God's poem, his masterpiece is the way that it's translated, also his workmanship, and last week um, it we talked about how the people of God are blessed. That means God speaks well of us, so we should speak well of ourselves. If you're a Christian, that's our standing in Christ. And we're going to see another profound truth. And there's, I've been praying about what I'm going to reveal today, what the Word reveals today. I've been praying about this because as soon as I write it on that mirror, and I'm not going to do it right now. i got you right on the edge of your seat. I'm not going to do it right now. But as soon as I write it on the mirror, you're, gonna, you're not going to believe it. And that's okay, because I'm going to write it, and then I'm going to show you from the Word of God what the Word says about you. Several years ago, like when I was just a little kid, I always had like this, this idea of what courage was. Just, I always thought, wow, courage, like I grew up playing like G.I. Joes and then being, you know, watching movies like Rambo and Missing in Action. And I always thought, wow, courage, a life of courage is, is doing extraordinary things. I always thought, wow, you know, the, a life of courage is like, I've got to go out and rescue someone. I've got to go do this. I've got to go do that. I've got to save the world. One of the things that I've found in my walk with Christ is to be courageous or to have a life of courage. It's not to do extraordinary things. It's to do the ordinary things. It's to do the things that maybe that, that, that are challenging for us to kind of press through. It's, it's to do the ordinary things to really dig into the depths of ourselves and our mind and our heart to see who it is that God says that we are. But it takes such courage to push beyond the pain, 
Because we all have pain. We all have history. We all have moments in our life, we've had very significant losses in our life. We've had just points of weakness in our life. And for some of you in in this building today, some of you have believed that those points of weakness are, are where you belong. My hope for you throughout this whole series is that you would find that God says you're worth more than your your greatest defeat. You're worth more than, than your greatest victory. You're worth more than the family line that you come through. You're worth more than the name that's on your door of your office. You are worth more than just being the parent of your kids. You're worth more than just being the wife of your husband. You're worth more men, more than just, just the work that you do. You're worth more because God says you're worth more. But for us to step through the pain, the threshold of that pain, to become who it is that God wants us to be, and to live the gospel life, to to live the gospel identity that he wants to impart to us, it takes courage. It takes courage for us because we all do have a history. It takes courage to to get up after that failure. It takes courage to step beyond the greatest amount of the, the source of pain, the thing that happened when you were a kid, and the thing that it has taken you 15, 20, 30, 40 years, however many years it is, the, the point of pain that was brought into your life. It takes courage to say, you know what? I want to step through this, this threshold of pain. It takes courage to step beyond that. But when you do, you can breathe. When you do, you not only can step through that that threshold to where now you're not just consumed with guilt and shame. You can step beyond that and you realize that there is a deeper purpose in your life. And God has a plan for you. He has shaped you. He has been with you. Christian, He has been with you. you. You're not journeying alone. He is with you. He has a plan for you. But it takes little bits of courage. There's a Navy SEAL mindset. I'm like a geek when it comes to Navy SEAL, like spec ops, all of that stuff. I'm that guy. Uh, maybe you think that's weird, and maybe you think I'm weird. I'm cool with both. Um, but this is like a quote of just like a Navy SEAL mindset, and I think this is something that will help us today. A Navy SEAL mindset is this when they're in BUDS training. It says, don't think beyond the moment that you are right now. Stay in the now. Stay in the now. Don't think beyond the moment. Stay in the now. And then the the last part of it, I think, is so, so helpful. And he says, don't overthink it. That is so the tendency, if you're like in this quest to, maybe you've read books and studied, listened to messages on gospel identity, and you're kind of like, you're still really fuzzy and unclear. Maybe it's because you've, you've overthought it. Instead of just taking God at his word. Maybe you have overthought it to where you're, you're trying to put your spin on it instead of just relying on what God says in his spin. So don't overthink it. So for us, we're, we're set out to do some encouraging things. One of the things, um, I, I found this, this amazing quote as well that I think is helpful and just kind of leads us into the text. Um, uh, Mary Ellen Mann from a book uh, called From Pain to Power, and this is someone who, who has had victories in the areas of guilt and shame and, and redeeming her gospel identity. She says this, one of Satan's most frequent and most effective weapons against you is to tell believable lies. To tell believable lies. Because you know the things you've done. And that's her, that's her point. This idea of just telling believable lies like you know what you've done. But what we're going to see today from Ephesians 1, if you have your Bible, please open it up to Ephesians 1. What you're going to see today 
is that God knows your history just like you do. And God wants to shape that history through the gospel, not through self-help, not through some, not just a work of your own, but through the gospel. He wants to shape that history so you can have a life of purpose, live a life of courage, and ultimately you'll find some creativity. So as we jump into the text in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 4, this will be the fill in the blank. Today you're going to push back. Oh my goodness, this thing busted. Um, I'll just tell you what it is before I write it. Um, my pen just broke. Um, you ready? Got your pens ready? I am, I am a blameless saint. I am a blameless saint. This is not my, my idea, my word. We're going to see this is right from the word of God. But I wanted you to have this right now because many of you, you're still in the process where you're trying to allow this message of gospel identity to sink deeper and deeper and deeper into you. So I just put it out there because automatically when you see this and you see it on the screen right now, as soon as you've seen this, you're like, no, 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 you don't know me. And you're right. Maybe I don't. Or then you're thinking, no, 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 a blameless saint, like if you're a Christian, you are, in, you are in, in that standing that you are a blameless saint. And you sit back and say, you know what, I'm not that bad of a person, but there's no way that you know my husband, right? Or you don't know what my wife has done. And I don't. The good news is I don't have to. Because this isn't just my idea. This is what God's word says about you, Christian. Ephesians 1 says this. For he chose us in him. We're going to take this, this, this one verse apart. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. To be holy and blameless in his sight. The bottom line for today, maybe the thing that, that you uh, just need to write down if you have your, your selfie journal or you have a worship guide. Uh, this is the big idea for today. And this text leads into this. You're going to see it in just a moment. It is our position in Christ and our progressive walk with Christ with our courageous action, with our courageous action that helps shape gospel identity. There's a part that God plays and then there's a part that we play to shape this. So it's our position in Christ we're going to see this right from Ephesians 1.4. It's our position in Christ. If you're a Christian, it's not the better version of you. It's, it's who you are right now. You're standing with Christ. But also, in your progressive walk with Christ, with our, our, this is our responsibility, courageous action that helps shape gospel identity. The text says this. It says, for he chose us in him. That means it's God's idea. This is awesome. This is awesome. Maybe, maybe this is exactly what you need to hear today. That means when God saved you, Christian, if God saved you, that was his idea. That wasn't your idea. That wasn't because you had to go out and find a better version of yourself or to acquire amount of, of effort through, through self-help that all, all of a sudden that God says, wow, now you finally made it, son or daughter. Good job. God chose. This is the this is is the very very deeply uh, emotionally satisfying thing because this is the doctrine of election. This is God choosing you. You didn't choose yourself for salvation. God chose you. It's right in the text. He chose us. It was salvation was His idea. Giving faith His idea. 
God chose us. God chose us. That means for you, you're a blameless saint. That means it was God's idea that he knows the brokenness. He knows the things that you've done in the past. He knows the things that you're currently doing. And he knows the things you're going to do in the future. And he says, if you're a Christian, that is under the blood of Jesus Christ. Can anyone say amen to that? That's a good word. You need that. That's his idea. He chose us. He chose you. Not just a better version of you. He chose you, Christian. But he chose us in him before the creation of the world. This is amazing to me. That means that God foreknew exactly who would come to salvation. While that's troubling in some ways, it's also, if you're a Christian, this should, be, this should like wake you up spiritually right now saying, okay, if God chose me, that means he has a plan for me, has a purpose for me. And it's not to live a life of guilt and shame and regret. It's to live a life free of those things so that we can recover our gospel identity that's been fractured by the fall. So he chose us in him before the creation of the world. But he didn't choose us just to stay where we are. We're going to see this in just a moment. 1 John 2.2 says this, that he, being Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. That means that the shedding of the blood on the cross that Jesus did for you, Christian, he did also for the rest of the world, that the world would receive him, that, that he longs for them to receive him, but they have to humble themselves before him. So his atoning sacrifice. And it says in Hebrews 10.14, For by one sacrifice he made perfect forever. He made perfect forever. That's our standing in Christ. He made perfect forever. Those who are being made holy. First takeaway this morning is the Christian's position in Christ. That means if you are in Christ in accordance with these two scriptures from Hebrews and many, many others, this is your standing in Christ. If you've given your life to Jesus, whether it was either as a child or whether it's been as an adult or somewhere in between there, this is your standing in Christ. This is who God says that you are. His standing for you is you are a blameless saint. You have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And why is it that it's so hard to forgive? Why is it that, that forgiveness seems like something that maybe you can do for someone else, but it's so hard to forgive ourselves? It's because the, the fracture of the fall that, that happened. I mentioned this in uh, the, the message last week in Genesis 3. It's the fracture of the fall. Now we have a, just this, our identity has been reshaped when sin was introduced into the world. So now it's hard to receive forgiveness. It's hard to forgive ourselves. It's so easy to see the things that we've done wrong and harder to reclaim the things that God says about us. But you and I, Christian, are God's blameless saint. He is the atoning sacrifice. Atoning. This isn't just... This, I love this. This word atoning isn't just like a one-time event. This is saying that the blood continually washes over your sins. It's an atoning. It's the, the continuing action. His blood washes over your sins. This is your standing in Christ if you are a Christian. This is your current standing in Christ. He has already forgiven you. It's, it's high time that you start to forgive yourself. It's high time that we don't just sit and look at the brokenness in our, of our history and say, poor, poor, pitiful me, this is just where I'm going to be for the rest of my life because that is not what God's Word says about 
you or me. This is our position in Christ. There's, there's two words um, that really play a big part in this text also. It says, He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Blameless saints. The word holy can also be, revent, could be rendered saints. But as soon as you hear the word saints or holy, you're like, no, 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 that ain't me. That's like some dude in like a, like a costume, like robe-looking thing, waving incense around, singing like an ancient language. That's what you think holiness is. To be holy is to live separate than the world around you. To live holy is to live a life that God is calling you to live amongst people who don't live like God desires. To live a life set apart and holy. The thing that makes the Old Testament, if you're a Bible person, the thing that made the Old Testament temple holy was that it was set apart from every other building. The thing that sets uh, the priest, specifically in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, because Christians are a, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, the thing that sets them apart is how God takes them out of the muck and mire of their sin and guilt and shame and He takes them out of purposelessness and He places them and He says that now we are to be His ambassadors to the world around us. That we are His blameless saints. That's our current standing. So, holy and blameless. That's who God says that we are. To be holy... To be holy means to be morally pure, upright, blameless in heart, right, or blameless in virtue. That's what God says about you. Not what I say about you. That's what God says about you. He wants to reshape you. He wants to, he wants to do something to you. You have to pardon my, my artwork. It's, uh, it's phenomenal. But uh, it might be, there's no huh. Come on now. I heard that. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I'm I'm an artist by trade. Uh, that's not true at all. And uh, this is hello. Yep, I can spell. I did go to college. Best ten years of my life. Um, it's not true either. Um, when you push back, and in, in, in your mind, when I said blameless saints, that's that's your position in Christ. The reason why maybe you, you push back from that and you're like, you know what, that's just, that may be someone else. Maybe you think that's me. Maybe you think that's, that's some other picture of holiness, like I'm not there yet. It's because you have maybe believed this. This is what a lot of people call the crazy cycle. It's because you're kind of caught in the crazy cycle of guilt and shame. And, and the terrible thing is there's no way out of this except the gospel. But the great news is, the way out is the gospel. We're going to get to that at the end of this talk. But it's the crazy cycle, being caught in guilt and shame. So the reason why you sit back and you're like, no, 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 that's not me. Or maybe you think that's who you want to be, but that's not who you currently believe that you are. It's because you are caught up in the crazy cycle of guilt and shame. Because there's been something that you've done in your past that you've claimed a false identity. That's the shame piece. And guilt, the guilt is just that what did I say last week? It's just a broken record reminder of all the things that you've done wrong. And that's not God's best for you. That's the crazy cycle. We're, we all either are there or have been there. We all have. Now, 
one of the things uh, I also wanted to kind of point out, the second big idea is, is being progressively more like Christ. Because this idea of being holy and blameless in His sight is it's, it's something that compels us. Because the gospel, I would say this, and, and this is a loose quote from James MacDonald, um, a, a great preacher of our time right now. He says, if the gospel hasn't changed you, the gospel hasn't saved you. He says, if the gospel hasn't changed you, the gospel hasn't saved you. There's this progressive walk with being more like Christ. That is what is expected of the Christian. Not that you would just come and attend a church. Not that you would just wake up and you just go to Facebook and you just find some encouraging verse or a little truism or something that somebody puts on their page and you go through and, oh, you know, your heart warms up to it. Then you walk away. There's no change in that. But to be progressively more like Christ. This is also the part of holiness because we are to be pursuing a Christ-like walk. It's not easy. But if the gospel hasn't, if it hasn't changed you, it hasn't saved you. You can't, you can't live the life that Jesus wants you to live. You can't give your life. And that's what, that's what salvation is. You are giving your life to Jesus. Your brokenness, everything that you've done, understanding that, that you are a sinner and then you're in need of a Savior. And you can't do that and then give your life to Christ and expect to just take it right back and then live the life that you want to live. That's just not the way it works. If you give your life to Jesus, you are all in. You give everything to Jesus. You give your life, and He fills you up with the best of His life for you. So if the, go- if the gospel has not changed you, it hasn't saved you. Think about that. Because maybe some of you, you, you think that you're a Christian because you were raised in the South, or you grew up in church, or you were five years old, and you went forward because everybody else was going forward, and you got a candy bar and a story, and all of a sudden they said, oh yeah, Billy got saved, or you got saved. But if the gospel hasn't changed you, it hasn't saved you. Think about that. Maybe for you, you just need to just ponder that for a moment. Maybe you need to write that down. Maybe you need to pray about that point. Because maybe the biggest lie that you've started to believe is that you're okay doing life your way. If the gospel hasn't changed you, it hasn't saved you. Romans 6.19 says this. This is from the Apostle Paul. He says, I'm using this example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity or sin and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. That's what the gospel does. You give your life to Jesus, you're all into Jesus, and he says you no longer can just live your life and just a slave to impurity. You are now a slave to righteousness. You've given your life to Jesus. It is King Jesus. You're his servant, and you go where he tells you to go. You do what he wants you to do, and that's just the way it is. One of the things that I'm really hoping, I'm believing from this series is this. Not just this message, but, but all of these, these messages in collection. My hope and desire is that somebody in here today, will not, they will not only find their gospel identity, but they will do something with it, and they will start living a life of courage, that you will find your personal ministry, because God wants you to do something in this world, Christian. Your Christian life is not just to serve yourself, but is to serve Jesus and other people. My hope and my desire is that you would be free, that you would live a life that's open, a life of courage. 
a life of purpose. Every Christian is already set apart in Christ. They're already positioned in Christ. That's what the Word of God says. So why is it that many of us struggle with our gospel identity? The last idea, and we're going to kind of draw this out just a little bit. I would say this. This is not from the text, but I believe this, this is some of our situation. is because we have a passive resistance to change. We have a passive resistance to change. Either our, our, our gospel identity has been, uh, we, we need to recapture that. We just don't know who we are in Christ. We don't even know our purpose. We don't know anything. And some of us, we've just started to believe the lie that, that I'm not worthy of change. But if you have a right standing with God, if God has saved you through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are worthy of more right now. This is blameless saint. But a passive resistance to change. So I have a couple reasons maybe why we have a passive resistance to change. And the first one is this. Reason number one is some of us have believed this, this myth of perfectionism. The myth of perfectionism. We think that we're trying to be perfect. Specifically, this, this plays to, to uh, the vulnerability of, of ladies, specifically. Because not only is there a lie that some of you believed that you have to be perfect, but also because of our culture, it, it also says not only do you have to have the perfect body and the perfect hair and the perfect clothes and the perfect job and the perfect amount of freedom and the perfect vacations and the perfect car and the perfect house and the perfect neighborhood, perfect kids. They have to be involved in the most perfect events. You have to have the perfect husband. You have to have all these things. The lie also that's told through our culture is not only do you have to be perfect, but also you have to do it without any effort. So not only do you have to be perfect, but it just has to come so natural that it's effortless. And that's the myth of perfectionism. And for you, I, I just, this isn't just for the ladies, but I, I just want us to kind of step into this, this understanding that, that His grace is sufficient when you fail, Christian. His grace is sufficient. He doesn't just, he doesn't place you in the crazy cycle of guilt and shame. Say, well, here you did it again. Hey, there you go again. I can't believe, I've been trying to get you to understand this. You're not perfect again. Right here, guilt, shame, guilt, shame, identity, identity claimed. And now this is the, the broken record reminder of everything that we've done. This is not God's plan. That's not. That's not God's will for you. You have to break free from the myth of perfectionism. Second thing is this. Another uh, reason I, that corresponds with the passive resistance to change is, is in our culture, people just don't want to be told that they're wrong. You just you don't want to be told that you're wrong. Uh, there's, even in our culture right now, some people are just like, you know what? You do what you want to do. And I'm going to do what I want to do. Don't you judge me, and I'm not going to judge you. Well, the gospel says this. It says, if you're a Christian, we're not supposed to judge those outside of the faith, but we're supposed to judge those in the faith. That's what the Word tells us. It's called accountability. Like we're doing this life together. If you're a Christian, we're supposed to live this life together, united. But people don't want to be told that they're wrong. You see this in every, in every way. You see this politically. They don't want to be told that they're wrong 
Anyone say a hearty amen to that? Anyone over all the political junk already? It really hasn't even started. Raise your hand loud and proud. Yeah, thank you. I'm in that boat. Like I'm over it. They don't, they don't want to be told that they're wrong. They want to just like prop up their idea and everybody just jump on board as if it's, it's legit. But I, I tell you, even us, we kind of play into this too. We don't want to be told that we're wrong. The gospel says that we were bad people and that the gospel can make us good. The gospel doesn't say that it takes good people and makes them better. The gospel says we're bad people and the gospel makes us good. So we have, we have to kind of own that part of our story. Another thing is this. Some of you will, um, maybe this will resonate. Another reason why we have a passive resistance to change is we just have the I'm good mentality. I'm good. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good right where I am. I'm good right where I am. And you've stopped growing. Maybe you've kept attending, but you've stopped growing. You've stopped talking to God like you used to talk to God. Every time now that your husband or wife, they come up to you and say, hey, when's the last time you've been in the Word? You push back from them and you're thinking in your mind, you know what, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I've been in church for 20 years. I'm good. And you've started to believe the lie that you can be good all by yourself. And you can't. You can't. It takes community. It takes the progressive walk with Christ through your courageous action for you to reclaim your gospel identity. Another reason is this. This one I think is very creative. I call it the Milli Vanilli effect. Um, some of you, girl, you know what's true. Um, some of you know what this is. Yes, this was my idea. Um, if you don't know what the Milli Vanilli effect is, you can just put in parentheses, faking it. Because that was their story. Some folks are lost right now, faking it. Some, some of us, we have just, we have a passive resistance to change. You say, you know what? I'm just going to fake it. Because I'm not going to leave myself open and vulnerable to other people. I'm not going to be courageous and step through the, the threshold of my pain, step through the threshold of my history. I'm not going to allow God to reclaim any of those things. I'm just going to get around Christian people and I'm going to fake it. And the idea is I'm going to fake it until I make it, but you'll never make it. You won't. Thanks, Matt. I needed that. Um, I expect to see those dance moves later. Um, reason number five, moving along quickly, is the microwave me theology. Is we, we kind of get in this, this idea of we've given our life to Christ. Maybe we just kind of started the journey and we expect God to clean everything up right now. And we just want God to say, microwave me, just fix me, do whatever you got to do, make it right now. We don't understand that the New Testament says over and over and over, we need to persevere in this life, that we have to push through in this life. We can't just sit back and get upset with God and just say, well, you know what, I'm going to live a life of guilt and shame, guilt and shame, guilt and shame, and just live the false lie of saying, you know what, God, just microwave me, just fix me, fix me right now. Because God says he, he wants to inspire you to push through your pain, push through that threshold, but it takes courage on your part. And sometimes it takes courage on your part to, to enact the power on his part. It takes courage on your part to step through 
to be courageous, to say, God, I want you to reclaim my story. I want, I want you to have all of my life, all the, the, whatever is the, the greatest failure or defeat that you've ever had, the thing that you believe is claiming your, that you've claimed a false identity with because of shame, we need to go through with courageous action and say, I want to be all in to what the gospel says about me. We can't believe in this microwave me. Well, it's just God's going to fix me. It's just going to take a couple weeks and maybe just a couple verses. And, you know, I almost made it through this whole Bible reading plan and all of these. It's, it's perseverance. It takes, it, it takes time. Because God wants to do more in you and through you than what you even know. But if he did it all in a moment of a time, you'd be so overwhelmed that you wouldn't find your purpose. You'd be so overwhelmed that you couldn't. So, another one, the last one is this. I'm going to spend the rest of the time on this. Is because people don't know the difference. They don't understand the difference between guilt and conviction. Guilt and conviction. Guilt, guilt thrives in the dark. Conviction brings your life to the light. Guilt and shame, they thrive in the dark. The moment that you claim your story and that you speak your story, whatever your, your greatest defeat and the thing that, that, that you believe has, has just really, you've, you've claimed this false identity, not a gospel identity, but the moment that you have done that, you've claimed this, this level of shame and you're saying that's your story. But when you go out and you share that story with somebody else, and, and maybe you own your part of it, and you allow that to seep out, all of a sudden, you have the ability to be free of it. Because guilt and shame thrive in the dark, but conviction brings it to the light. It does some other things too. Um, you're not all going to be able to read this, and, uh, and like I said, my, my writing is atrocious, but uh, I'm going to muddle through this the rest of the way. Um, guilt and shame. To break... The crazy cycle. We have to do a few things. First thing we have to do is understand that God wants us to be free. And the moment when this goes through and you feel the conviction that you've done something wrong. When you feel the conviction that you've done something wrong. That's God's work in you through the Holy Spirit. So conviction. I'm not going to spell the whole word. I don't have time. Or space. Through the Holy Spirit. You can come up and write this later. The first thing is understand that if you're a Christian and, and there's something that you've done wrong, I'm not talking about what somebody has done to you, but if there's something that you've done wrong, maybe you've believed uh, just a lie, uh, just a lie from Satan and it was a believable lie. For you, the way out is this, and understanding that there's, there's conviction happening in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inspiring you to change because you're a blameless saint and you're positioned in Christ, but you also have a progressive walk with Christ. But it takes courageous action to reclaim your gospel identity. It's, it's this, the understanding of conviction. Next one is this. It takes confession. and You're, you're, you're confessing to God the Father. You're confessing. This is, this is setting your heart free and saying, you know what? I understand that guilt and shame thrive in the darkness, but I am bringing that to the light. Christ is the light, and he, he is inspiring us to be the light of the world. We need to, to claim that part of our story. So we go through understanding and just understanding the, what the, the things that we've done wrong. The Holy Spirit is convicting us, but then we confess the things that we've done wrong. 
But it continues. Understand that there's forgiveness in Jesus. By the way, there's a reason why I never use this whiteboard, and this is it. Um, forgiveness in Jesus. This is, this is the gospel story. This is continuing to kind of tell the gospel to yourself, to break free from the crazy cycle. This is what the gospel does. This is what God's desire is for you. He's already become an atoning sacrifice for you. It's a progressive walk with Christ. It's, it's continually setting yourself apart and ridding your life of sin. Not that you would ever be perfect, but that you would be mirroring more, more so in increasing uh, a walk with Jesus so you look like Jesus increasingly. Perhaps the next thing on the list, maybe you need to do some repenting. That's your part. You need to do some repenting. Because you believe something that is just simply not true. Maybe for you, you you believe some lies that, that are absolutely against what the Word of God says. And because of that, your gospel identity has been so fractured and so damaged because of abuse that you've brought on yourself. It takes some repentance. For some others, it takes some restitution. Take some restitution. That's you. That's requiring you to go out and maybe to, to set your heart free from the guilt and shame is, is understanding that, that I've been convicted of something I've done wrong. I've confessed it to God the Father. I've asked Jesus for forgiveness. Um, I'm walking in repentance. I'm wanting to turn around and not do the same things that I've always been doing. And now, what that may require of you is to go out and seek restitution and, and just maybe have a conversation and just ask someone to forgive you for the things that you've done. Maybe to go out and just to engage in, in, in conversation with people who've even been a cause of your brokenness. Not necessarily to set them free, but to set you free. And in all things this, and in all things, claiming God's promises. Claiming God's promises. That's your part. Claiming God's promises. Not settling. Because you're worth more. You're worth more. You're standing, if you're a Christian, your standing is that you're a blameless saint. Not the better version of you, but just you. And the only way, the only way that you can break the crazy cycle that really attacks us all is to set the gospel free in our lives and are continuing to walk with him and in all things claiming God's promises. God says you're worth more. God says you are worth more. What conversation do you need to have because of what you've heard today? What conversation do you need to have? Maybe maybe you're just 
You're, you're right on, on the edge and, and you just need to step out and just be courageous, pass through that, that, that threshold of pain. What is it that God wants you to do? What is it that God, what conversation does God, is, is he inspiring in you? So that maybe you could even claim some brokenness that you've imparted to other people. Maybe, the, maybe what all of this is, is maybe you, you've kind of owned your story. And maybe all of this is just so you can set other people free. And you know what? It would all be worth it. Because the gospel compels us. The gospel says, you are worth more. Let's claim God's promises. Amen? Let's claim God's promises. Let's not, be, let's not believe those believable lies. Let's claim who God says that we are. And let's start today. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God, I pray that you would just continue in, to inspire change in all of us. Father, I pray that through just uh, whatever anointing that you give us, as the, as the people of God, whatever influence that you've given us, God, I pray that, that you would inspire change through us and inspire change in other people. Father, there may be a man in here who, who does not have a quality relationship with their kids, and he needs to go out and understand that, that, that their responsibility is to go out and to help equip their kids so they can find their identity in Christ. Father, it may, for, it may be for, for the mother in here who's just trying to live their life off the, off the post of other people on social media. And they're so caught up in guilt and shame. Father, I pray that, that if that's their case, that, that you, would, you would convict them of that. That they would shut the computer off, they would shut the screen off, and then they would open your word. Specifically to Ephesians 1, starting at verse 3 through verse 14, so they could see who you say that they are. And I pray in Jesus' good name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Dublin Bible Church. 